Jets fans, it's almost time for Winnipeg hockey again. Obviously, we have been waiting uh, quite a long time for the Jets to return. They've had about four days off until they finally face the Montreal Canadiens at home for a several game homestand. So it's good to have the Jets back. Uh, There have been one or two injuries in addition to what we're used to. So the lineups are going to look a little bit different. And we'll talk about how the Jets might approach this game on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, like I said on tonight's episode, uh, I sort of wanted to explore the Montreal Canadiens, how they're doing as they are Winnipeg's upcoming opponent, and also talk to you about um, some interesting lineups and stuff that have happened during practice. Uh, Obviously, today was for many of the Jet skaters a bit of a maintenance day, uh, but Morgan Barron has actually been sidelined with some kind of an injury Um, according to Ken Weeb, it is an upper body injury, not exactly sure the nature of it. Uh, but obviously we're hoping for a speedy return and that he gets back to full health. But in the meantime, um, Hanson Harkins has been recalled on an emergency basis. And it is also possible that maybe Toninato might suit up, uh, in, in Barron's place. It's not clear yet which of Harkins or Tony is going in, but I'm going to actually lean towards Harkins. Uh, since rejoining the Moose, he's been on a bit of a tear, He has nine points in six games, which is pretty darn good. Uh, And he's been a really pivotal part of their top six. And I think for me, Harkins is one of those very interesting players because you can tell that in the stints that he's had with the Jets um, and and sort of in the lower leagues, he's very good in like juniors and in the minor leagues. But for one reason or another, that next level of skill hasn't really translated uh, into a lot of on-ice results. It feels like when he gets into the offensive zone, and he has to be the one creating, It's there's just like some sort of a disconnect, right? And unless he's paired with like a Mark Shifley or something, um, it just feels like Harkins hasn't really found that that piece that can get him to the next level. So I'm curious to know what he does after this bit of a, um, a bit of a tear and a bit of a refreshing run through the moose. Uh, he's had a lot more scoring success there than he has with the Jets. And I think it would be really cool if we finally see him start to realize and and execute on some of the stuff that you can see he's like thinking about clearly you can tell that his head in certain times is is in the right place you know what he's thinking you know where he wants to be on the ice but it's just getting to that final level of uh really putting two and two together and executing on his vision and i think that there is still the potential for him to be a really nice middle six forward but uh obviously getting to that point um and establishing himself as a regular it's it's been a bit of a challenge in previous years, he didn't really have to worry about a spot in the lineup. Um, you know, Maurice really liked him. 
And so he was very content to be somewhere on the third or fourth line. But this time, now there's actual competition. I mean, Manalainen's come in. Tanonato is vying for the spot as well. Baron, you know, he's only been um, a member of the Jets for a couple of months now, really, when you think about it. And so obviously there's a lot more competition. Harkins hadn't really been putting up major results. And so maybe this swing through the moose um, is going to really revitalize his career and get him back towards being a, a meaningful contributor for this team. Like I said, I think he's got some legitimate skills. I mean, you can see that he's got a great shot. His offensive positioning is there. Uh, he can certainly get up and down the ice pretty quickly. It's just that next level of decision-making and spatial awareness and stuff just feels like it hasn't quite coalesced into a, a really good NHL player yet. But we'll see what happens here. Uh, based on the line rushes so far, again, don't read into this too much. It's mostly a maintenance day. Um, but with no Wheeler, Dubois, Appleton, Barron, or Morrissey, um, plus Ehlers, uh, Ehlers and Stanley still being out, uh, we have Connor, Shifley, and Gagne. Now this line, I am like praying that it finally sticks. This, I think, is an actually great first line. Uh, I've talked to you about why I think Sam should be promoted in this team, um, but I, th I think CSG or even Perfetti, Shifley, Gagne. Perfetti, Shifley, Gagne is my personal preference. I think either orientation of this unit would be a lot more balanced than trying to have Appleton on, on that first line. But obviously the coaching staff hasn't always agreed. We'll see if this actually sticks tomorrow. Uh, but I think Gagne is just bringing more to the plate. Um, and he's he's actually used to playing in the top six. I mean, he's done it before with the Oilers and at times with the uh, the Red Wings. So it's not like this is a guy who's punching above his weight. He is a legitimate middle to top six forward. Uh, the second line we've got is Perfetti, Lowry, and Menelainen. Not really a shocker there, given the absences. You know, Dubois and Wheeler, you, you slide the third lineup. Um, then you've got Harkins, Gustafson, and Janssen Fjallby slash uh, Tononato. I think in this case for me, like I said, Harkins might get the nod as a reward for all of his hard work. I think he's really been putting in shift after shift. Um, unless, you know, Tononato really smokes it during these these scrimmages, I, I kind of feel like Jansen is the one who probably deserves the look. Um, he brings a more, you know, notable upside, relatively speaking. And so I'm curious to see if he's got something left in the tank, because if he does, obviously this bottom six could use a bit of a scoring punch. Now, the the, the pairings and, and the, um, I guess, the bottom lines and stuff, the skating groupings are extra fun right now because we have defenders playing in at forward here and there. Uh, we had Schmidt, Pionk, and Capobianco as a line, and then Dylan, um, and then DeMello and Sandberg all together as a trio. Now, uh, as far as anything is concerned here, I mean, I think the defense is probably going to stay the same. I really wish they would split Morrissey and Pionk, but I know that they they ride this pairing as like their top pairing. Not sure I'd agree with that, but um, we'll see. Maybe there's some surprises in store. You know, Bonus has said he wasn't happy with the performance over the past couple of weeks, and this is a really good chance for him to try some other stuff and see what happens. But we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not holding my breath. You know, we'll take it one step at a time and just hope for the best. Now, of course, the Jets are only one half of this equation, uh, you know, the Montreal Canadiens have rolled into the season with a five and five record. Not bad, actually, you know, given the expectations of this team being in a rebuilding state. So we'll take a look at who's who's really standing out for this team, um, whether the Jets should be worried about playing them and what we might see in tomorrow's game in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Built. 
obviously, you know, we're, we're taking a brief pause and, you know, can we uh, just have a moment to talk about this awesome thing? I know you've heard me talk about Bill Bar before, but a lot of you who are listening, you might not really be familiar. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Bill Bar is the only protein bar that's more like a candy bar with 100% real chocolate and, uh, you know, tons and tons of protein. I mean, it's super healthy for you and they've got tons of great flavors. They've got some great ones like cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. I mean, let me tell you, it actually lives up to the hype. Uh, I've had churro puff. I thought that one was fantastic. But they've also got a whole bunch of other new flavors. They've got white chocolate peppermint granola, which for the holidays, I mean, can you really go wrong with white peppermint chocolate? Stuff is delicious. And uh, they've also got candy cane brownie puff. I mean, again, they're really rolling in this Christmas season with some really great protein bar flavors. It's like biting into a delicious cloud of uh, holiday spirit and joy. But of course, for a lot of you fitness heads, the most important thing is, is it good for you? And the answer is yes. Most of these are clocking in at around 130 to 150 calories uh, loaded with 17 grams of protein. And again, I mean, it's it's so healthy for you. It's low in calories, low in fat, and it's just loaded with so much protein, whether you're looking for something that's like a snack, something before your workout, maybe a breakfast replacement or something, whatever it is, Bill has you back. Um, and of course, if you're not really sure which flavor you want to try, you can also get their mix box. It lets you sample several different flavors, including some of their base ones. I personally recommend raspberry dark chocolate as a really good starting point, but you really can't go wrong with any of them. So if you're ready to get started, uh, you can get 50% off your order right now by using code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Bill, you got to try this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are talking a little bit about uh, Winnipeg versus Montreal before the game tomorrow. Um, and obviously there have been uh, some interesting lineup changes for the Jets just during practice because lots of guys are taking the day off and, you know, there's some injuries. But uh, before we dive into who's doing really well for the Canadians and which players I could see being danger men for this team, I just wanted to recommend that you make your second listen Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Be sure to follow and subscribe to Locked On Sports today on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. As always, like our show, it's free to subscribe, and we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, circling back to the Habs, uh, they have a 5-5 five and five record, and they've had an interesting start to the season. Bit of a mixed bag. Um, some really good wins punctuated by some not-so-great losses. Um, against the Central Division, they actually have had in you know not so great record. I would say I was about to be a little bit more praiseworthy of them, but they've only beaten uh, the, the Canadian or the uh, the Blues and the Coyotes, so not exactly a great start. Um, they've ended up losing to the Wild and the Stars. Losing to the Stars, not really anything to be ashamed about. Dallas is like pretty freaking legit this year, so uh, for Jets fans, that's not great news, but. As far as quality teams that they've beaten, uh, they've beaten Toronto, they beat Buffalo. You know, the Blues are a pretty solid squad, although defensively maybe a bit of a rough stretch. Um, they've also beaten the Penguins, although Pittsburgh's kind of in a downward spiral right now. But overall, you know, you get the sense that this team is fast, it's loose. Now, their special teams apparently hasn't been so great. Uh, apparently, the power play is a little bit mediocre, to put it lightly, which, hey, as Jets fans, we are painfully used to. Uh, our, our special teams are not exactly anything to write home about either, especially the PK. 
But looking at the roster, you know, you you look at who's doing the scoring for this team, and it is not super ideal. I think it's not that dissimilar from the Jets, where it's a little top heavy. Um, right now, their top four scorers have 11 points, 10 points, and then it's six and six, which is not great uh, through 10 games. I mean, it's not awful, but, you know, Suzuki, Caulfield, Monahan, and Doc, apparently, uh, these guys are really carrying the load. Doc, I'm, I'm less interested in. Uh, Kirby, I think, tends to be a guy who's more decent at collecting peripheral points. You know, he's not really a primary point scorer kind of guy. Somebody described him as doing a lot of really cool stuff to earn empty calorie points, which I think is probably a more accurate reflection. But looking at the guys who are really driving the offense and who are really uh, doing the big numbers, it's Monahan, Caulfield, and Suzuki. Now, Sean, for me, was very interesting because um, when Monahan got traded, I wasn't really sure what he'd do for the the halves. Because, like, in Cal- you know, Calgary, he wasn't really all that good. Um, with the Flames, I thought he was kind of cooked. And so it's interesting to see him have this big career resurgence. Um, I know that you might look at six points in ten games and think, well, that's not that impressive. But he's looked really dangerous. I mean, he's generating more shots. It just seems like he's more of what you would expect for like an actual top six center. And I think for the Habs, that's really important because um, I think he's got some term left on his deal. And, uh, you know, he is he is a very skilled player. And it's it's obvious that he has the ability to be a difference maker at his best. It's just whether he's actually going to reach that level consistently, that is still a little bit of a question. Um, aside from that, though, I mean, you're really looking at Suzuki and Caulfield as two of the guys that you really have to contain. Caulfield is shooting the lights out. Um, Suzuki is just doing everything really well. These two guys together um, are a real danger presence. Suzuki's got great passing and vision and skating. And Caulfield, again, I mean, he just has a really good way of finding those soft shooting areas. Um, And I think that's why the Jets really need to be careful, because even though this power play kind of sucks, what you don't want to fall into the, the, the trap of is opening up space and letting guys like Suzuki and Caulfield go to work. If they find those soft areas, you're in trouble. And I think Winnipeg, you know, our, our PK is bad enough to where um, you really have to be concerned that these guys are, are going to slip through the cracks and, and really hurt the Jets. I think Winnipeg also has to be careful getting baited into really bad penalties and avoid like fights and stuff. Um, Arbor uh, Shakai, or uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, Shake, I, I apologies, it's a tougher name for me to pronounce. Um, Arbor has been like very physical and it seems to be a pretty running trend with this team that they, they do like to hit. They'll throw some big body checks. And so I think the jets need to keep a cool head. Obviously there's, you know, some bad blood from the, the really awful hit that, uh, Shifley threw against Jake Evans a while back, which I know jets fans, some will say it was clean. It really wasn't. Let's be honest, but you know, this is a dangerous team on the counter. I think their physicality is going to be an issue for the jets. Um, the one advantage is that I don't think they're nearly as fast as LA and Vegas are. So we'll see how that kind of works out for the Jets. But I'm predicting a very difficult game for Winnipeg, despite the Habs maybe being a bit of a mediocre team overall. I think this team could really get under Winnipeg's skin. And so the Jets need to be disciplined, uh, stay out of the penalty box, and just take care of business as much as you can. We'll see if the lineup changes that uh, Bones might come out with are, are effective. But for now, we're just going to have to wait and see and hope that the Jets can uh, handle this Habs team. Now, 
obviously, you know, tomorrow is going to be a big day for the Jets, and uh, we'll have some more coverage and some more previews and thoughts on the game, plus some additional stuff. But towards the end of this episode, I just wanted to take a moment and talk about uh, one particular player that I think is really important for Winnipeg, both in tomorrow's game and beyond, and kind of why I've changed my tune on whether or not the Jets should keep him around past the next couple of seasons. I'm sure you have an inkling as to who I'm talking about, but we'll talk about this guy in just a moment. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Jets. Uh, we are talking about, uh, of course, a couple of important moments for the Jets heading in, into the next few games. But I think there's one player in particular that, you know, for me, stands above the rest in terms of critical importance to this franchise, to this team's success, uh, and really to the current record of this team. And that, of course, is Connor Hellebuck. Now, Hellebuck, for me, is one of those truly elite, rare goalies. I know that there are any number of elite goalies in the league at, at one time, but Hellebuck is like that Lungvist type where he just continually gives you year after year of excellent performances. The fact that Hellebuck has given the Jets like three or four Vesna-ish to Vesna-winning seasons is really amazing. I think he's a phenomenal goalie. He's maybe the best we'll ever have as a Jets fan um, in this lifetime, which I think you really can't overstate. Uh, and, and what he's done for this franchise and how he's really carried this team forward, you really can't overstate it. I mean, he's literally dragged this team into a playoff spot at times. So over the past few months, I've, I've struggled with the question of what do you do with him once his contract expires? And I've thought, you know, maybe you have to let him go because he'll be, you know, closer to his 30s. Uh, the Jets might need to rebuild, and, you know, you just don't want to have him sitting there, you know, either preventing you from tanking and, and wasting away his career while there's a chance for him to win a ring or a cup somewhere else. Um, and, you know, rather than go through all of that, let him seek fortune and glory for a better team and kind of go from there. Since then, I've, I've for some reason, just reversed uh well, even, even when I was thinking about this, I was still very hesitant against it because, for me, Hellebuck is such a special player for this team, and I, I just personally love watching him. Like as a, as a Jets fan, he's like one of my favorite Jets ever. What he's done for this franchise, how he really plays his position, and what he has done to pull this team kicking and screaming through year after year of some, frankly, dog crap, you know, play on the ice he's truly a tremendous goalie. Um, and I feel like, you know, you can bet on him being really good for many years to come. So I think the Jets really should extend him long-term, make him like as close to a career Jet as he can. The cap's going up. The Jets are going to have deals coming off the books. Make your MVP pay like an MVP and lock him up. If he goes to another team, I would be heartbroken. And I think at that point, it, it would just feel like the end for this franchise. Not as like a Jets are relocating kind of thing, but in terms of, okay, now you're talking about the rebuild. The moment Hellebuck walks out the door is kind of when this core is done. Uh, Helly is that important to this team, and I think it's time the Jets really recognize that and rewarded him for it. I think they should give him a really big deal. I think they should lock him up, um, and he'll keep this team more competitive than they have any right to be. And with some of the young kids coming in, uh, with Shifley maybe being up for extension. We'll see if that happens. Uh, but all of these kids like Lambert and Heinola, uh, Reshevsky, Chipikov, Chisholm, I mean, there's a lot of bright young talent that could really change this team around. And if Hellebuck is there in net, 
That is one thing you'll never have to worry about. And I think, you know, despite him getting into his 30s, there's a really good chance that he'll be elite for many, many years. So I I think personally, I want Hellebuck back. I hope the Jets agree. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this. Do you think the Jets should resign him long-term? Let me know in the comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, like I said, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports of the Day podcast. It features the biggest stories, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and our famous take of the day. Available on all your favorite platforms, same as we are, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you for, so, uh, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.